Raiders Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome into your Friday, September 25th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, as always, presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. In just a moment, I had a chance to catch up with Flyers assistant coach Ian LaPerriere. Now, I wanted to talk to Lappy for a couple of reasons. One, because he's a guy that played in the league pretty recently, retired a decade ago, is a guy that played over a thousand games in the league and played from the time he was 21, 20 years old in the NHL all the way through 36, 37 years old. And if you remember a couple weeks back when both uh, Chuck Fletcher joined us here on uh, Flyers Daily and head coach Elaine Vigneault, and one thing Elaine Vigneault addressed in his media session was how to prepare players as they age. Because one of the questions about the pause and the return to play was why some of the veteran players, not only with the Flyers but around the league, didn't get their game back to where it was prior to the pause. And we all know father time is undefeated. And Elaine Vigneault said he was going to, with his coaching staff and training staff, going to come up with strategies for players like Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, guys that are north of 30, James Van Riemsdyk, to find ways to help them train in their offseason to at least push back father time or delay father time. So as a guy that played from the time he was 21, 20 years old in the NHL to 37 in Ian LaPerriere's case, I imagine he learned quite a bit about how to train as you age in the NHL. Couple that with the fact that Ian LaPerriere is, uh, still trains like a madman, uh, does triathlons, is fit, probably even more fit now than he was as a player uh, now in his 40s. So we'll talk to Ian LaPerriere about that, about the season, and about much, much more. Uh, before we get to that, though, let me tell you that Monday will be part one of our two-episode special with Flyers Assistant General Manager Brent Flair. We're coming up to draft time. It's just around the corner, coming up in the first week of October. So Bill Meltzer and I will have a chance to speak with the Flyers GM. You'll hear part one on Monday, part two coming up on Wednesday. And also, as I said in the last episode, uh, we're going to be talking with Flyers scouts from all over the world. Uh, a rare opportunity for you, the fans, to be able to hear directly from the scouts on how that process goes, what they look for, what they're looking for in this draft, where this draft is strong, where this draft is weak, where the drop-offs are, and much, much more. It'll be a rare glimpse behind the scout curtain uh, coming up in a couple episodes as well. And we'll talk to three or four of the Flyers scouts again from around the globe. But right now, let's get to my conversation with Flyers assistant coach and NHL veteran of more than 1,000 NHL games. Here it is, Ian LaPerriere. Happy to have joined us once again. Uh, the post-redux of uh, the season, uh, Flyers assistant coach Ian LaPerriere joins us right now. Lappy, how you doing, man? I'm good, Jace. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm missing hockey already. It, it's weird <laughs> because, like, you know, on social media, you get these memories on Facebook, and I don't even know why I'm on Facebook, but um, that's a whole other story. It's another episode. But I, I see that on the 21st of September, on a lot of years, that's when – the first home preseason game is or that inner squad game because I see them on my Facebook memories. And now this year, they're getting ready to hand out the cup here in a couple of days. And we don't know when next year's starting, but I'm ready for next year now. Is that normal? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's normal. You know, when you've been doing what you've been doing for that long and same with me at this time of the year's training camp, when, you know, when I was a player and then now I'm a coach, it's the same thing. And uh, now I'm, uh, you know, sitting home or on a golf course where I shouldn't be. And uh, it's, it's weird for everybody, but 
Uh, I'm sure a lot of people out there have, uh, you know, a weird story, too, because of what's going on in the world. And uh, we just have to uh, stay positive, and uh, hopefully it's going to go back to normal soon. Lappy, you played for 16 years. You've been in the game since you've played. So that's professionally, you've been in the game about 26 to 30 years. Uh, not to mention you grew up and we know the rhythm of the sport. Is there a biorhythm to the seasons? And when you're playing in, in August, you know, for a cup and in the playoffs, and now you're not playing in what's going to be September and October, is that something that can really kind of mess with your body from a biorhythmic standpoint? Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, that's one thing, you know, especially when you get older, it's, uh, it's, it's when you're, you're, you do have a set date and you're training to that for that date and you're trading smart and guys are training way smarter today than we did when, especially when I first started playing. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be an adjustment for them. And that's on the trainers they're using and our trainers, the Flyers trainers. And I know they're on top of it and making sure that guys don't overtrain because again, we don't have a set date. And uh, it's a matter of staying, you know, in good shape until we do find out the set date, and now you can pick it up. And but again, it's it's an adjustment, and for everybody. But I do feel uh, feel a little bit more for the for the older guys, younger guys. You know, like yes, training is huge, and it's time, especially when you're early 20s, it's time to build those strong muscles for later in your career. But uh, they, can, they can, you know, you saw that when we started playing, like the pro of this world, the San Ivan this world, it's like they didn't miss the beat. But older guys, it takes them a little bit longer, and I feel bad for them because we don't, we don't have a set date. So let me ask you about that because um, in the bubble, uh, we were all trying to figure out, you and I spoke, we were trying to figure out what the common denominator would be for players to have success. Would it be younger players, young legs, and naivete? Or would it be older players because they've been there, done that, and they had to ramp it up in the playoffs? Plus, you didn't have fans. Um, I, I don't think that we came up with any kind of logical, consistent answer as to why certain players got it going and others didn't. Because we saw veteran yeah. players get it going, and some didn't. Some with kids, some without kids. You know, it was weird. I don't think there's any uh, answer to that. You look at the finals right now, Dallas, they do have a, you know, older players on that team that are performing and, you know, you get yeah. Tampa too. They do have older players that are performing and they do have young guys performing too. And I don't know. I just don't know. And hopefully we'll never have to find out again. Hopefully everything's going to be fixed and we'll go back to normal. But, uh, you know, it's one of, um, it's a different, um, different year, different year for the world. And it's a different year for our league too. But, to, to to go back to who perform well or not, I really do feel, if anything, guys that like they like to work out and they like to stay in shape because, like anything, they do, you, we do have guys that do work out just because they want to be hockey players. But there's we do have guys that just like to work out. You know, like uh, I got an example, like you know, just to mentally and physically, like like Provorov, like you know, he's he doesn't take any time off because he likes it. You know, and, uh, you know, training like he trains when he at his peak. I'm not sure you can do that 12 months, which he doesn't. But even if, when he doesn't train to, you know, to ramp up a season, he do, just he just trained to because he likes it. And you get other guys that don't like it. And, um, you know, and I feel like t I'm sure like I'm, I, I can prove that, but I'm sure the teams that are in the finals right now, they do have more guys that like to work out than guys that don't. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the releasing those endorphins and the serotonin that makes guys feel good. 
that's why people work out. They don't just work out to look good. I mean, I do. And I, I can. I <laughs> yeah, you look, you look great. Uh, um, <laughs> you know what? I, I'm a big believer in that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm been retired for seven years, eight and more than that. What is it? Yeah. 10 decade. years now. Yeah. yeah. A decade. And, um, I still work out every day because of that reason, not because, uh, you know, I want to stay fit, but at the end of the day, because I feel so much better. And especially with times that crisis, like we're going through right now, yeah. I think it's key for everybody to be active just for their mental health. You know, like it's, uh, we hear about mental health all the time, left and right. Well, just go for a walk, just go for a tri- one mile run, do something and you're going to feel so much better after that. Yeah. It delivers long after you're done the workout too, which is great. For sure. Uh, for sure. L- Lappy, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on, cause when we had Elaine Vino on he, and during his availability as well, he, he spoke about, you know, he didn't really have a chance to have exit meetings with players. Um, mm-hmm. But he did speak about uh, Claude Giroux, who's 32 now and finding ways to help him kind of fight back father time. Now father time always wins. Uh, but ways he can prepare, change his training for a season to kind of beat back the doors of father time. Uh, as a guy who played in the league 16 years, how much, first of all, did your uh, training and preparation change kind of year to year? I imagine it just changed because technology and, and people were training better, smarter, and all of those things as you went through your career. Uh, but how did it change for you as you got into you know, your plus 30 side? Well, uh, you know, I, I retired when I was 37, and uh, when I was in my early 20s, I used to train heavy, heavy, heavy weight. You know, just to build. And 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 the trainers were telling us, you know, yes, you're you're doing heavy weights right now, but it's for now, yes, but it's for your 30s and later in your career. You're doing what you're doing right now is for later in your career, and um, that's that's what I did. But at one point, like you know, you do have injuries, you're banged up from the seasons after that. I couldn't do like I'll give you an example. I, I used to be huge in squats, you know, early in my career, and late 20s I couldn't because I had a bad back and uh, from the season and everything. And we kind of made an adjustment, and you know, the weight went down. It was higher rep, and it was more on speed. And and G's got a he's got a great trainer back home. He's got Tony Greco, and I'm sure they'll talk about that this summer. And uh, you know, with our trainers too and um, they're going to make a plan for him but uh, it's uh it's a, it's an adjustment when you get into your 30s you know you're, you're not as like it or not you're not as fast as you used to be you just have to play a little bit more with your brain and with your experience and also like using that time to uh to, to make that those little tweaks it's not i don't think g needs something uh, big like you know he doesn't need to change completely what he's doing but he for sure he'd, and he'll be the first one to admit it you know he needs some tweaks in his uh, training regimen and uh, like i said he's uh, he's in good hands with his trainer back home and our trainers here and i'm sure they'll come up with a plan you know it's interesting too lappy because every player is different as well some guys you know they come into this league and they're just absolute burners and can skate their bag off right um, and they can afford to lose a half a step as they get older. Other guys, you know, aren't great skaters, but they can't afford that. And, and they get to where they are and their level of success from hockey IQ positioning and being smart on the ice. Um, Claude's kind of a mix of both of those bags. He's never been the most fluid skater on the planet, um, but uh, his skating, does it look still on par where it's been for most of his career to you? Uh but the G's biggest quality is not his skating, his hands, it's uh, it's his uh, compete level. And, uh, you know, it's like he, 
when G's on his game, he's like, you know, he'll win those one-on-one battles. Doesn't matter if you're six foot four or five foot eleven, he will go through. It's his will that's going to take him there. And um, you know, and to play like that, you need to feel comfortable in your own skin. Like I mean, like again, you got to feel powerful. You want to feel like you can do it. And and I think that's what happened when you're in your thirties. Maybe you do lose a little bit of that steps. Maybe you're not the greatest skater, but you did lose a little bit and you might not feel as comfortable as you feel that uh, you felt better uh, before. And I think that's, that's where G is at right now. And he needs to find that, uh, that little step that he had. And again, he's getting older like everybody else. You just need to find maybe a little tweak in his game and it's compete levels. I read all the quotes from our guys and they see what we see. Like there's no one that cares more about this team than G. And, um, and I know he's back home right now thinking about what he needs to do to, to have a good year next year and have good playoffs too. And, uh, and he's not the only one, you know, you look down the, down in the playoffs in the bubble there, there's other guys that, you know, they need to, uh, to be better for us to take that next step. And, uh, you know, they, they know they are and, you know, and, and if they don't, well, we have a problem, but yeah. uh, I'm sure they, you know, after the disappointed game seven that we played and we know you get into the second round and I played long enough that, uh, that I know that, uh, it's, it's not, a, it's not, it's not a gimme that you'll get there every year. You know, we went to the second round, and who knows next year. Next year is going to be a battle just to make the playoffs like it is every year. And hopefully guys learn from that, and uh, they'll come back next year and say, listen, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give her all this year, and if we get to the playoffs, and when we do get to the playoffs, we, we, you know, it might be a, it's going to be another chance to win the Stanley Cup, and we'll be better. Yeah, it's so well said because, you know, there, there's going to be 32 teams in this league. There was a time when 16 teams made the playoffs and there was only 21 teams, <laughs> you know, yeah. this half in half out. It's not, it's not a foregone conclusion that you go back to these. You don't start at that same spot the following year. Um, let me ask you this, Lappy, because uh, having played for so long and um, you know, you saw those young players on this team and, you know, Konechny didn't score and, and he made some plays, but ultimately he needs to score. Um, and he just never found his game. But you look at the experience that Travis Konechny got, the Travis Sanheim, the Phil Myers, Carter Hart, uh, other young players, Joel Farabee, um, to get that experience, win a round of the playoffs, get a couple of rounds in, play a big, heavy team like the Islanders, um, that experience that they gained inside the bubble is is invaluable. I mean, it's, it's it just means so much, doesn't it? For sure. It's huge. Like I said, like, you know, next year when we get to the same point, well, they'll know that, you know, we'll, we'll need to be better and better as a team and stick to the system that sometimes we deviate, like, you know, in some of the games in the bubble, like uh, it's not really what we plan. And it's, it's it comes with experience. And, uh, you know, a guy like Sky Lawton, I thought he had, you know, he played great down there and he had a little, you know, he, he you know, we, we had to sit him out at one point. He kind of, you know, he, his game went away from him, but he came right back on track, and that's how you learn. You know, you, you might, you know, you look back, you look at the game, and you just try to be better, and when you do come back in the, in the next game, you're a better player for the team, and it's it's by mistakes like that that you do become a better player, and just that experience was great for our guys, and I really believe, like you said, our young guys learn a lot from it, and they'll be a lot better next year. Uh, when you look at, at when you played, and, you know, professional hockey players, professional athletes are very structured. Um, they want that structure to, to kind of guide their, their life and the way they play and prepare um, in this situation where we don't know when it's going to start. 
Uh, we don't know if that's going to be mid-December, as the commissioner alluded to, and has stated the league address, or if it's going to be mid-January. If there's going to be some fans, no fans, will there be fans integrated in eventually? Uh, all these variables, but in particular, the variable of not knowing what you're working towards, what date you're working towards, how difficult is that in your preparation uh, physically, mentally, and all the things you need heading into another hockey season? Well, I think it's the hardest part right now for our guys, you know, for for the league, all the guys, especially imagine being the guys that didn't make the playoffs. It's going to be almost a a full year that no hockey, no camp, nothing. It's tough. It's it's going to be it's tough on those guys, but it's tough on our guys too because again, we don't have that set date of uh, you know as a player like okay, I'll I'll build my summer like this. The first two months I'll do this. The next month I'll do that, and I'll peak at the end before the season, the training camp start. Now you can't do that because we don't have a date. But again, it's uh, you know guys are well paid and you're you're a professional. You know you get to this level because you are a professional and you know that you have to stay in some kind of shape and uh, and at the end of the day let's be honest what else do they have to do like you know there's not much we can do they can travel like we used to do you can you can uh, you know you can go to the restaurant like we used to do about you know hopefully our guys uh, will use that time to focus on their on themselves mentally and physically and for me it start with uh, you know training and uh, when you train and you do your thing mentally you know you did your work and you can you know you can feel good about yourself um, can you turn that that last game, that game seven? You know, you you, come, you battle back from down three games to one, and you mm-hmm. turn that game seven, and and it was ugly, and maybe the emotional tank was just empty, for whatever reasons. But the fact that if you lose that game two to one in overtime, that's one thing. If you lose it in the kind of the way, dare I say, it, embarrassing fashion, um, can you use that as motivation into this off season? What does that feel? Well, I hope I I hope they do. You know, as players, I know as coaches, we do. You know, what could we have mm-hmm. done better? And uh, you know, what could we say better? Prepare better. You know, it's uh, it's it's our job, and uh, and hopefully the players feel like that. But uh, you know, sometimes you you know, let's be honest. There's guys that uh, went home and said, I give my all, and some other guys say, uh, you know, they they're more honest with themselves, and I could have done better. And hopefully, and I feel, I know, I know our guys really well. And I do feel like the majority of our guys go home and say, I, I could have done way better than I did. And uh, hopefully they'll do something about it. And they do have plenty of time to do something about it now. And if it's watching your shift or watching the games or, you know, just try to get better, you know, system-wise and, you know, get better um, conditioning-wise. And they do have a lot of time to do that. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, last thing for you. Uh, have you been able to, since getting knocked out, have you been able to watch games or have you kind of, you shut it down? I, I watch a little bit with my boys when my, I got two boys at home and like last night they want to watch and I want to, I'll watch with them. But if they don't want to watch them, I'm, I've always been like that. Even if it's, as a player, it's a jealousy in me. I'm like, okay, if I don't win it, I'm not watching it. And I know it's not good, but uh, I kind of, if, when I do watch a game and I'm, you know, I know we could have been there. It's just, it drives me crazy inside. Unless, again, unless my boys want to watch, I'll watch with them. But uh, um, I don't really watch, no. So, so you can't just sit back and enjoy that. You could sit back and or watch a Kitchener Rangers game or, uh, you know, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, but yeah, that I can't. NHL's tough. <laughs> no, NHL, I, can't, I just can't. It's just, I don't know, I'm, something wrong with me or and, uh, just jealousy. You know, I want to be there, you know, and maybe that's it. But uh, I, I don't enjoy watching. Uh, I'll watch uh, 
uh, football instead of uh, and then you know and baseball. I, I even watch baseball before uh, playoff okay. hockey, and I don't like I don't like baseball. You know, <laughs> just to put it that way. It'll relax your mind. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, put me to sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does it still just burn you when you even see a video of somebody being handed that cup? Oh yeah. It does. Again, uh, I never had a chance to. Well, I had a chance to win it, but I never had the privilege to hoist that cup. And uh, uh, you know, again, probably I'm jealous. You know, it may be something wrong with me, and I gotta let it go. Yeah. But it's, you're the it's majority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not many guys get that opportunity to grab that thing and and put it over their head. And, and uh, it, it's not that that's a cup that's never. It's not won. It's earned. <laughs> you know, it's just so hard it's to big, win, especially it. this year. Like you know. Oh. Physically, after four months, and I'm 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 very uh, surprised by the level of play that you know without fans and four months off and everybody's out there giving their all physical and everything. It's it's very impressive, and not only that, this uh, the bubble was great. I gotta give props to the NHL. The bubble was unbelievable. Like you know, I felt safe in there. We had everything we needed. We did. There were an unbelievable gym at the hotel that we're at. We could use the BMO field, which where the soccer teams playing to do stairs in the morning, and I've dinner there was well 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 done but still we were there for 43 days it's a grind without your family and same routine and those guys in the finals it's over 60 days which is crazy and my point is winning this cup this year it's probably one of the hardest cup to win because of the physicality of the game missing four months and also because of the mental part of the game that it's it's never been done before and the guys that are going to always that cup they're going to it's going to be well deserved yeah it'd be very special that's that's very important to remember too you know going to a hotel is great a five-star hotel and you go there two nights three nights in the hotel you're like, oh this is great room service but eventually you want your own bed. You want your dog around, you want sure. your family around and all that stuff. You want to uh, disconnect by talking to your kids or your wife and watch a, yeah. a movie on TV with them. But there it's like, a, which was great. Trust me, I'm not complaining. I think, again, the league did an unbelievable job. They, could, they did it as good as you could. They didn't, we didn't have one case. How about that? 37,000 tests. I know. Not, not one positive. One. Well, they did it right. And, uh, you know, something to – personally, I'm proud of being part of it because the NHL is – you know, I'm part of the NHL, and they did it, and I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of them. Well, I thank you for being a part of this podcast uh, all season long. Like, I can't wait till next year already. We don't know when that's going to be, but I know. You know we're hoping to be uh, – I hope to see you on that bench for warm-ups and, and fans back in that building. Lappy, thanks for doing this all season long, man. I always love having you on. I love picking your brain. Um, you're playing all those years. you got such great insight that the, the listeners I know love to hear. So thanks for doing this. Uh, hit them straight. And uh, we'll talk soon. <laughs> All right. Anytime. Thanks, Jason. Having known Ian LaPerriere, he played his last season in the NHL with the Philadelphia Flyers. Again, that was all the way back in the 2009-10 season. What a magical season, too. Team goes to the cup final. Uh, that was his last. He played in all 82 regular season games that year. And then you remember he got hurt in the playoffs, obviously, against the New Jersey Devils where he took that puck to the face. Ultimately ended up playing in 13 total playoff games in that playoff run for the Flyers and uh, a guy that ended his career here made his home here and has obviously worked with the organization and worked his way up he was uh, a player development coach originally and uh, has been working his way up and and learning the craft of of being a head coach or a coach in the NHL and done a tremendous job and one of the really good guys in this league and uh, always love talking to him because you get his insight as a player you get his insight as a development coach you get his insight 
as an assistant coach as well. So great stuff from Ian LaPerriere, and we always appreciate him joining us. Again, part one of uh, our two-part series with Flyers Assistant General Manager Brent Flair will be coming up on Monday's episode of Flyers Daily, which, as always, is presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center, supporting our Flyers. Penn Orthopedics creates the ideal care plan with treatment options fueled by our own world-renowned research doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at penmedicine.org slash ortho. That's going to put a wrap on this episode. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday's episode with Flyers Assistant General Manager Brent Flair right here on Flyers Daily.